Learning never stops, but neither does the work. So when we need to brush up on our skills or pick up newer ones, it's hard to even take the time to choose a path or a focus. It doesn't matter if you're new to the field or you've been around for a while. Learning takes time. And sometimes it doesn't go the way we planned. But innovations are always happening. Things are changing. New platforms, new programming languages, frameworks, applications. We still need to make time for this unrequired requirement. So how should we approach it? How can we fit it into our busy lives without it feeling like it's a chore? This is Compiler, an original podcast from Red Hat. I'm Brent Semino. And I'm Angela Andrews. We go beyond the buzzwords and jargon and simplify tech topics. Today, we're talking about learning. Let's see what producer Kim Wong has for us. I spoke with two people for this episode to look at continuing education from multiple angles. I'm Soumya Singh. I'm from India. And uh, here at Red Hat, I work as a software engineer. Hi, I'm Josh, Josh Goldberg. I'm a full-time independent open source maintainer. I'm also the author of Learning TypeScript and a Microsoft MVP for developer technologies. And I have a few cats. We'll start off with Samya. Samya likes to use social media to provide educational content about application development and other topics. From the university days, I have been very much into, you know, teaching students how to code, into creating educational content. So I keep teaching people with the help of my blogs, my videos. People usually, you know, prefer studying maybe from books or such stuff, right? That's traditional way of learning something new. But in the 21st century, every person has a smartphone in their hands. I love the advancement and I myself have been benefited. And that's how and uh, why I decided to, you know, teach people using these platforms. One thing that stuck out to me while making this episode was the role of open source in continuing education. Samya talks a little bit about how the open source community came together to help each other learn Kotlin, a programming language for mobile app development. So the people in the community who were interested in learning that language, they started kind of sharing their progress, their updates. And when you learn in a community now, so you don't even lose motivation. I mean, you see other developers sharing their updates, sharing their progress, everything in that channel. So even if you are someday like, oh, I'm not, I, I don't feel like studying or I don't feel like learning. When people will post in the community, you will see their post, their message. You will firstly learn things. Secondly, that will inspire you as well to do the same thing, right? So in my case, I mean, the open source communities helped a lot. And Josh agrees. You get exposed to technology you might not have otherwise. You get to work with people online, sometimes people who are making the tech you want to get a job with. And it's a really nice excuse to work on projects. Angela, Brent, how do you envision open source as part of someone's like ongoing education? Probably Angela first. Well, open source, the concept and 
open source the the way that we learn and people contribute to that learning. I think they're two different things, right? Okay. But in this respect, we're talking using open source as a tool for learning. Mm. That is the best way to learn, in my opinion. Yeah. Being in a community of other like-minded learners. Mm. Being able to be open and honest, being able to give and receive feedback in a, in a non-judgmental environment, that is so important. I have been lucky enough to have been a part of a ton of different communities where we were all learning something together mm. and, you know, reaching out to each other, helping each other, growing together, succeeding together, bringing up, you know, when people have issues, bringing people up with you, like no person left behind type of thing. Yeah. To me, those are the best ways to learn. Yeah. The way Samia's describing her experience, it sounds very familiar to me. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more. I don't have a lot of experience doing open source projects, but I definitely identify with this feeling of we're all in it together Mm -hmm. and nobody wants to, you know, we're all kind of working individually, but we're also collaborating. And there's no reason as to why learning can't be disseminated, can't be a sharing kind of experience, a collaborative experience where you're all in it together and you're all working towards maybe not the same goal, but definitely to acquire the same skill. I agree. Choosing what to learn can be a struggle. There's so many different projects out there, so many different types of technology. Samya has a really interesting story from her college days about how she decided what path she was going to take. Most of my friends were going with machine learning because that was buzzword at that time, right? I kind of was confused between four things mainly. Mobile application development, web development, AI and ML. These four were the most confusing things. So I gave one week to each of this to do complete research on four or five parameters. Like number one, uh, which language is used in, in, in you know these technologies like for application development, Java, Kotlin is there, in web, HTML, CSS, those stuff, then MLAI like Python. And that really detailed process that I'm very impressed with. Me too. (laughs) Helped Samya discover what she was most passionate about. After jotting down everything, I was like, I am very much interested into learning how to develop mobile application. And I was like, I don't care if people are running after AI, ML whatsoever, but I want to learn how to develop these applications. I love that. I love the fact that she was so... Self-aware. Very yeah, self-aware. Yeah. I think it's really impressive that she thought of doing something like that, that she yeah. asked questions from other people. She she outsourced the information. She asked questions and then did the research. I think it's really a great way to kind of understand not just what to learn, but also what speaks to you and what, you know, what about the thing that you're trying to learn speaks to your, you know, your personality or your, mm-hmm. you as a person. I really do appreciate how she was able to give it the time that it yeah. deserved, right? Yeah. She said she dedicated a week into researching these topics. And in a week, you can cover a lot of ground. And I'm I'm betting you, 
during that week, she found a lot of things in a lot of these other subjects that don't interest her in the slightest. So mm. we we get to learn what we love and what speaks to us, but we also get to learn what we are not the slightest bit interested in <laughs> and we don't want to waste our time on. So yeah. that is really time well spent, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We should all... We should all be like her. I'm gonna right. I'm gonna use those types of methods today. I'm gonna just I'm gonna use them now. I'm I'm far removed from college. And I'm gonna start thinking about things in a certain way where I'm, you know, doing more than just like a cursory kind of Google search and going, okay, this is popular. Give it the time it deserves. Yeah. Give it the time it deserves. And it it sounds like she's she sounds passionate. Like just talking about, I didn't want to mm-hmm. chase what everybody else was chasing. You know, I'm doing what I love. And yeah. that's that's important. Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about whiteboard interviews. Okay. I say that because Josh says deciding what to learn can be similar to the way that someone might approach a problem in a whiteboard interview. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, one of the core fundamentals for developers uh, is the ability to break a problem down into smaller bits. You see a lot with developers who are new to interviewing for the role that the ones who aren't so practiced at this particular skill that's only used in interviewing will give it a problem, immediately freeze, and they see this giant behemoth and they they don't know what to do. Whereas the, the work skill is to break it down, to figure out what are the smaller bits I can approach, what is reasonable to do in a particular time frame. And I think that skill is very similar to the skill of understanding where you want to go and breaking down your own journey through education. That sounds exactly what Samia did. She yeah. Went, yeah. In a lot of ways, right? She used, you know, the whiteboard method, meaning I'm going to take all these myriad pieces and I'm going to break them down into mm. their parts and mm. get a good understanding of what these parts are. And she said it very well. I I like these parts about it. I learned about it. It makes it less intimidating. Mm-hmm. Just like the whiteboard interview, it'll make any problem statement that you're given much simpler if you can break it down into smaller, more manageable parts. I really strongly identified with what Josh was saying because I feel like that's what I do when I'm thinking about learning something that I didn't know before, breaking it up into smaller bits. And and I wasn't I didn't realize that Samya was you're right. She's essentially saying the same thing of doing, you know, doing the groundwork and then breaking it down into kind of, okay, well, what what languages are popular? What platforms are popular? What do I have to learn in order to acquire this certain skill set? So, yeah, like that's really cool. I mean, it's if you think about it, it's a lot like writing a syllabus for yourself. You know, it's it's like, um. That's all I have to say. <laughs> no, well, I'm going to help you. I have, yeah, don't go, I have go. been in a ton of study groups that I've led, and I find that creating a syllabus, which sets our intention yeah. for mm. each week, mm. really doesn't make it look like, oh my God, for the next two months, we're going to be doing it, all this. No. It breaks down something really complex into smaller chunks that are like manageable and you can solve. Exactly. And these yeah. are these small little these small little bit pieces. Oh, you only have to do this this week. No big deal. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. That's so important. That works for me, and it yeah. it's it's a tried and true method. Josh told me a story, right, where he was trying to understand something. He was trying to learn something for the purposes of getting a promotion. 
And his manager stepped in and helped him identify his own goals around learning and competencies that he would need to achieve those goals. In that situation, Josh made an important discovery about himself. One of the things that they helped me with was setting down what the competencies are and where I fall in each of them. And notice that I was putting a lot of effort into a competency that I was already hitting the next level at. I did not need to keep working on it, but I, I enjoyed it, so I was still putting a lot of time into it. So I was given the good advice to pull back on that, to do less investment in this path, even though it's what I am really enjoying at the time, because it's not what I actually need to get the promotion. Angela, you were uh, recently promoted. I sure was. <laughs> does this resonate with you at all? It like, did you? does. Yeah. It does. I mean, preparing for a promotion, you have to look at what the the metrics are for your promotion. Mm. And you have to figure out where are you in these competencies? How are you excelling? Are you doing, like Josh said, are you doing too much of this and not enough of that? You have to kind of balance it out because they want to see this more well-rounded, more accomplished person to elevate them into a position, right? So again, the thing that you love to do, that's great. But if it is what is you're missing other things and your manager, thank goodness, was able to point that out to him and say, you should probably invest less time here, yeah. invest more time here, because that really will up your chances. This will help you become more well-rounded and you'll hit more competencies that way. So, yes, this sounds so familiar. I can relate very strongly to being fixated on something that I do really well because it feels comfortable mm -hmm. and not focusing on the thing that I need to do because it's uncomfortable or because it's, you know, something I've never done before. I feel that it's, too, Kim. <laughs> yeah, that's really, really relatable because we, you know, it, it's and it's not a bad thing to be good at something and be comfortable and, and knowing that you're good at something. But I want to know, like, how do you get away from you know, being fixated on something that you really, really are good at, but may not be serving you, especially if you have a, a, a particular goal in mind. Well, you have to decide what's important at the time. Mm. If your goal is important to you, you have to decide, Do I, am I going to do the uncomfortable things? Mm. Am I going to do the things that don't feel like my second skin. Mm. Because if we're being honest with ourselves, that's where the growth happens. If mm. you're already excelling wow. somewhere and that's that's your niche and that's your thing, well, you've invested all this time, you're good at it, It's you don't even have to think about it. But the growth happens when you're challenged, when you are given the opportunity to shine in another way and to show that you're not a one-trick pony. You can mm. do multiple things. So I agree. It's hard to turn off that feel-good mechanism. Like, oh, this feels good. I'm going to do this is what I'm going to yeah. spend my time. It's hard to turn that off. But you have to look at the whole picture. Mm. Where am I trying to go? What goal am I trying to accomplish? And if that goal entails you doing something that is uncomfortable, lean into it. Mm. That's where the growth mm. happens. I will say, as a manager, and I've, I've experienced this myself personally, I have also seen people 
lean in the other direction a little too far. Hmm. So they're like so concerned with their weaknesses, right? Mm. And they just get really fixated on trying to get better and fix this and fix this and fix this, mm. that they're not really leaning into their strengths as much, mm. you know? Mm. And so like really leaning into what you're good at is also really important, you know? It so is. it's like you, you yes. don't want to get fixated on like either one completely. You have to hold those things in balance. That's true. That's true. I, I but I I totally empathize with what you just said because yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. <laughs> we, we don't all we don't want to just be t- you know basic. We don't want to yeah. just mm. be struggling and you know and because those those facets of our our, our careers or our job we know how important they are and we don't want to suck at it and we we don't want to be that one that person right so right. I get the whole, oh, my God, I'm going to fixate on this. And yeah. I can tell you, it is not the way to go. It it, it does yeah. you more harm than good. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. yes, you know, I, I feel that I feel that deeply. Yeah. We have to strike a balance. What I'm, what I'm hearing a lot from our guests and from our conversation here is that, like, learning requires a lot of self-awareness and a lot of introspection. Indeed. Right, yes. Kim? Like... We really have to look at the person in the mirror and figure ourselves out when we're learning. Yes, exactly. But looking at oneself in the mirror and deciding on what paths to take, and when you decide that path, it's time to start studying. But learning something new can also be overwhelming and scary. Yes. And when people look inside themselves for direction, they can encounter some negative thoughts. Stinking thinking. Yep. <laughs> and it's easy to get this false impression that everyone does everything. And then you get this even worse false impression that you are somehow lacking because you don't have these particular positive things that get called out as nice and or common in others. When we come back, we'll unpack some ways to address the negative thinking around learning new skills. Oh, I can't wait. Hi, I'm Mike Ferris, Chief Strategy Officer at Red Hat. And as you might expect in my role, I get a lot of questions about AI, particularly about foundation models. Now, don't get me wrong. Those are important, but they're not the whole story. Whether you're using a commercial model or an open source one, you're going to need to fine tune or augment models with your data for your use case. And you need a common platform for that where data scientists, app developers, and ops teams can all collaborate, especially as you start to scale. And then this is iterative. It's rinse and repeat. So really, it's about making that fast path from idea to model to production and back again. And that's what Red Hat OpenShift AI does. Head to redhat.com to learn more. We're talking about learning new things. And that can get people out of their comfort zone. What if you start out and it's not going well? Probably everyone can relate to that, being bad at something that you're learning. Angela's raising her hand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I should also be raising my hand. Because in the moment, it doesn't feel great. And it may give a person a reason to stop doing what they're doing, do something else, or not do anything at all. Even someone as brilliant as Samya, who interacts with thousands of people on social media all the time about education, even she knows that feeling. You feel like, oh my God, I'm in... Uh, I can't do this, that that kind of demotivation. 
and that fear that oh like coding is not for me how will i cope up with this i don't feel like doing it anymore those things are very common josh has some advice for people who are thinking of calling it quits i'd say first let's really examine why the failure is happening uh, sometimes you'll hit something that your brain is just not well suited to at the time it might be that it's just a topic that you don't drive well with. Like that's that's fine, you know. It might be that you're not in a good mental space. Like if you're in a really stressful time in your life and you're trying to do something and you know that never goes well. Figuring out the why. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of reasons why this might not be going well. <laughs> well yeah. How do you deal with it though? How do you how do you deal with trying to learn something and it's not going smoothly or easily? I wanna pick on Angela for this because I, I know that she has a lot of experience with this. It is easy to quit, especially if you're learning something that is something you're interested in. But what if it's about your job? Yep. Yeah. What if you have to learn something that is a part of your role yep. and you cannot wrap your head around it? Oh, God. It's the worst. I have been there. Yeah. Am there. Wait, what did some- you do? I am struggling. Yeah. And what I'm doing exactly what you think someone would do. You avoid it. Yeah. (laughs) You find other things. And what happens is you're dragging out this process. It's not going anywhere. There's just new versions of of it coming out. And you're like, oh, God, now I have to. So it is a terrifying feeling. And I'll tell you another thing. When you are afraid of failing, it is such a heavy anchor around you. It it clouds everything. And I'd like to talk about this more because you have to examine, like Josh said, why is the failure happening? What is the disconnect? Mm. Why aren't you getting it? And what are the things that you need to do to examine? Is it what's going on with you personally? Is it the content? Is it the, how the content's presented? Like, yeah. how do we get out of this feeling? I think we need to have this discussion because Samia hit it on the head. It is so common, but what do we do with it? Yeah. I find myself sometimes in spaces where other people, um, we're all together kind of learning something new and the levels of familiarity or exposure to the topic may be different from person to person. Mm-hmm. It just feels like each one of us, ha- you know, we're, all of our brains are different and it's like you, you all kind of need like a special key to unlock mm. learning at some at some points. Like I, I know in, in my life, it's just been a matter of finding out different methods of understanding a topic or understanding a certain concept and then just finding that one key that unlocks it for me. And that's kind of how learning has always happened with me and the things that I've studied in the past. I will say when I am in this space, (laughs) my house is like the cleanest it ever is because, because you're avoiding because I'm avoiding and oh. all I'm doing is like vacuuming and cleaning and it's like everything I agree everything but everything but is mm. what I want to do what do y'all think about something that I think Josh is maybe saying this a little bit here but like I've had this experience with myself where it's like 
sometimes my brain just doesn't jive with what I'm trying to learn. That you know, is, yeah. so, that is it a thing. And yeah. maybe never will. There's something about coming to peace with that and, and coming to terms with that. Like, just being like, that's okay. There are a hundred other things that my brain does jive with, mm-hmm. you know? Like, yeah. what, what do we do with that? I don't know. <laughs> this reminds me of something that uh, a teacher, actually, I have said to me recently. Um, she said that I was the type of person that always ate their vegetables first <laughs> because... Uh, because I put the unpleasant thing first. And sometimes the unpleasant thing is learning something new. So I prioritize that first so that I can have the things that I enjoy later on. And I'm kind of working towards something Mm -hmm. and it feels like I'm tricking my brain in a way. But dealing with things that I just can't get and sometimes they are things that'll make or break, right? It's like you have to learn this in order to get to that next level, that next class. It's really a matter of velocity of trying a lot of different things, thinking kind of outside the box and then asking for help. I know a lot of us have a struggle (laughs) with that, but when you're talking about learning something new, it can only be to your benefit to ask for help and to ask other people's opinions and their thoughts and their experiences because learning should be collaborative. I think it's, it's actually should be, and it's kind of better that way for everyone if it's a collaborative experience because that's how you get away from all of that avoidance. It's how you get away from all of that stinking thinking and mm-hmm. all of the negative emotions that come with trying to learn something and then failing at it or just not being able to get it right away. Insomnia said it in the beginning. Yeah. That is the best way. You are motivated by the people around you. You learn from the people around you. And I wonder why we know that it's better to ask for help instead of struggle in silence. Mm. But why are there those moments where we're struggling and we can't see our way to asking people for help? Yeah. What is that? We yeah. and, and if someone were to ask us for help, we would drop everything we were doing to help them, right? So we have no problem giving the assistance and helping people along. But when it comes time to ask for that help, why do we struggle? I think it goes back to what Josh was saying before the break, that everyone just assumes that everyone else knows everything. And they have all the gifts and all the parts. And in reality, uh, a lot of us are walking around with like tool sets that we don't have all the parts. We don't have all the tools. We don't have everything that we need to be kind of self-contained geniuses. We have to uh, collaborate. We have to communicate and share our experiences. And that's the only way forward in a lot of these cases. And getting back to... Some of the self-awareness and, yeah. uh, like, introspection, I think it's that that realizing, like, the things that our brain jives with and the things that our brain yeah. doesn't. And then, honestly, kind of lowering the bar a little bit on, like, the things that my brain just doesn't yes. jive with. Come to peace with just it. Just come to peace with it, and it's okay. Mm. Like, I remember yeah. in um, undergrad, you know, when I was in college, like, I was an English major, you know? And I was, like, really damn good at English, you know? I was, like, acing everything. It was, like... A's, 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 A's. There you go. My minor was political science, and I sucked at it. (laughs) And it was really hard, you know? Like, it was really hard. My grades were lower. I had to work so hard in those Mm. classes because it did not come naturally. 
at the same time, like, I really wanted to do it, you know? Mm. I just had to, like, lower my expectations a little bit in those classes, <laughs> you know? And just be okay with it. Yeah. It's okay. That's powerful. You you would not be winning those categories on Jeopardy is what you were saying. Yeah, and you not, were fine not, with that. And that's okay. You know, that's okay. I also don't want us to think that every learning experience is is sort of like drudgery or it's, oh, it it's is you not. know, like... It is not. There are those moments that I also love that are like, Oh, my brain is jiving with this. Magical. Am, mm, it is magical. Great. I have lost seven hours yes. <laughs> studying. Yes. I didn't even know that time passed at all. You know, right. I just Isn't looked it beautiful? Up. Yeah, it's like really wonderful, you know, and like it's setting the right expectations for yourself mm, in what yeah. you're currently doing. I love that. Indeed. And not being so hard on yourself. Yeah. Also. It's okay. Let's get back to Josh because he's a maintainer, right? We've talked about maintainers mm-hmm. on the show. Yep. He often finds himself writing educational materials for open source projects that he works with. In this case, uh, it's materials around TypeScript, which is a programming language that adds syntax on top of JavaScript. I was fascinated with how Josh's methods of teaching matched his methods of learning new things. I figure out what the start is. I figure out what the end is, or at the very least, what the ideals of those are. That's the user empathy you have to come in with to understand what is the really common need and what can you, what can you not assume people know? Because a lot of people just assume learners know the latest and greatest framework. That is not a good idea. You have to teach the foundations of what the thing is, the language, the type system, how to use it, the basic common features. And from there, you continue splitting down what are those features? How do you explain them? Which ones rely on others until you have this beautiful topological sort, as they say, of what are the content topics And how do you get started writing a chapter for each of them? That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way that he kind of broke it down again. Mm. Yeah. These are all of the things we we just talked about it. This syllabus, you want, you want this visual representation of, well, how am I going to present this information or how am I going to learn this information? And again, when it's broken down into these very manageable parts, it makes sense because you're working toward this this end goal where you have this understanding of X. And in his case, it's TypeScript. Mm. I, I think this method of kind of breaking it down into these manageable parts, I don't want to say it's the key, but it's definitely one of the keys. Mm. Mm. And I, I also want to add that People learn through different modalities, right? Oh, yeah. If you're reading or watching this video and some things in it aren't jiving, they're Mm. not clicking. Nope. We should be comfortable enough to say, you know what? This this isn't working here. Let me go try to find another resource to kind of fill in these gaps, you know? And what you're doing is you're building your tool set Maybe that syllabus is coming from a myriad of different resources. You're breaking it down. But again, some people don't explain things the way that you can grasp them or you see something and it doesn't make sense to you. So you have to see it another way. I think being flexible as well is a great way. So I like his method, but also being flexible with that. I want to talk about the elephant in the room. Many people are discussing AI. 
talking about how it affect the way we work, we do work. It's already affecting the way we learn mm-hmm. in the form of AI tools and platforms. Oh, yeah. Some people are hesitant about this. I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. Samya has a different perspective. So the situation is very much like in the beginning when calculators were introduced. So there was so much of rumor that the jobs which involve, you know, a bit of mathematics calculation like in banks or anywhere where you have to do calculation stuff, all those jobs will be gone. But we know the reality. We humans are using calculators to improve productivity, to save time. All the jobs are there. It's just that we humans are using those tools to do our job. Okay, I would never compare a calculator to AI. (laughs) But I get what she's saying. Yeah, I would in this case, yeah. Because the fear that a lot of people have surrounding AI, yes, there is a good side. It's ability to help us learn things faster. Yeah. But there's always this undercurrent because the data is usually produced by humans. The models are usually built by humans. Humans are flawed and biased, and they have a lot of shortcomings. And that information definitely makes its way down Mm. into what is being read or gathered from the end user. So we have to be very careful. I, I love the fact that AI is just all the wave right now. We have Lightspeed. We have yeah. you know, Watson Codis. We have all, we have GitHub Pilot. We have all these things. They are amazing. But buyer beware. There's always, there's always something that we need to concern ourselves with. I think Understanding the tool is important. Trust but verify. Yeah. Yes. Always. Yeah. It's a tool, right? A tool mm-hmm. and a tool is not infallible. Exactly. So I feel like if people want to use AI, especially if they're using AIs in the pursuit of knowledge and the pursuit of like new skills, I think that's awesome. More power to them. I do want people to think about it as an extension of themselves yep. because in a lot of ways, AI is an extension of us. Mm-hmm. And therefore still exposed and vulnerable to the same biases and the same types of flaws that we have as humans. You're absolutely right, Angela. Yeah. And I would say the same thing for textbooks and lectures and yep. mm-hmm. oh, videos and everything else, you know, yeah. like it's just, you, we have to be critical of the source material, you know. I trust my calculator, though. I do trust my calculator. <laughs> <laughs> it has never steered me wrong. Not once. It's whether or not I'm fat fingering the keys that's yep. like the well, that's problem. Different. There. It's that's human error. That's user error. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Can't blame the calculator for that. That's true. I asked both of our guests for some parting words of advice for people who want to level up their skill set or they want to shift to something new or just to keep up with the changes that are happening. It's easy to get scared, frustrated, or overwhelmed because we're all combing forums and chat channels about what new skill we should pick up. I wanted to know what Josh thought about this. We've talked about education and continuing, you know, learning more. And we've talked about different ways of figuring out what to do. But we should definitely also mention sometimes the answer is nothing. Sometimes the answer is you are completely satisfied or saturated with information and your life does not have the bandwidth to learn something new. And everyone's yelling at you to go learn whatever, React or Tailwind or cooking or go volunteer. It's totally fine to take some time for yourself. You don't want to burn yourself out. 
Bless this man. Preach, Josh. <laughs> Preach. Yes. We don't have to be doing all the things. This hustle culture has us thinking that we need to fill every moment of every day with something that either makes us money or yeah. could possibly make us money or enriches us or whatever. Mm. He, thank you, Josh, for saying what you said, because there's a lot going on in our lives. We should be able to take a pause and not fill every free moment with something. Yeah, definitely. Just be. Yeah, being still is is a valid answer all the time, in my opinion. And I'm happy that Josh gave us permission to do that. Indeed. Samya says balancing continuing education with daily life is hard work, but it's work that pays off. There will be nights you will be doing coding questions the whole night, and there will be days when your friends will be going in parties, night outs, etc. So you will need to sacrifice. You might feel like giving up while solving some hard uh, coding question from lead code or while preparing a good real world project to add to resume. But trust me, I mean, we all have been there. So start believing in your skills, work on yourself and you will indeed get there. We have to find that balance. Not every moment, minute, or year of our lives. Are we on this quest? We're not always on this quest because sometimes we find our careers and we've done the hustle and we've sacrificed and we've learned something to achieve said goal. Yep. It's okay to enjoy it once you got there, yep. <laughs> but never become complacent yeah. because again, if you're in technology the next thing is coming. Constantly. The next version is coming. Yep. The next something is yep. coming. So we should have those downtimes, but when it's time to pick up and hustle, we're okay with making that sacrifice because mm. you got to get where you're going. Yeah. That's right. It's the unrequired requirement. That's right. That's why I love how you said that. <laughs> I think of learning as kind of like choosing one's own adventure, like those books back in the day. But I understand that sometimes it can be demoralizing. It can be exhausting. What's most important is making choices authentically, not being carried away with whatever's new or buzzwordy or in the news a lot. Remembering that it takes time to learn something new and a lot of patience being forgiving to yourself for not knowing everything right away and being patient with oneself is key. That way we can take care of ourselves and let our curiosity be our guide. What we choose to learn does say something about us, but it's never the last word of who we are or who we can become. And that's on everything. <laughs> you nailed it. Thank you for that. Well, this was such an interesting episode education, continuing education, always learning. Mm. We would love to hear what our listeners are thinking about this. What what stood out to you? What jived with you? What did you say? Oh, no, that's not how I do things. We want to hear what you thought about this episode. Hit us up on social media at Red Hat using the hashtag compiler podcast. Tell us what you think. This was a great discussion, and I hope you enjoyed it as well. And that does it for this episode of Compiler. 
Today's episode was produced by Kim Wong and Caroline Craighead. A big thank you to our guests, Samya Singh and Josh Goldberg. We can all learn a little bit from Victoria Lawton. She's great. Our audio engineer is Christian Proholm. Special thanks to Sean Cole. Our theme song was composed by Mary Anchetta. Our audio team includes Lee Day, Stephanie Wonderlich, Mike Esser, Nick Burns, Aaron Williamson, Karen King, Jared Oates, Rachel Ertel, Devin Pope, Mike Compton, Ocean Matthews, Paige Johnson, Alex Trabusi, and Mira Cyril. If you like today's episode, please follow the show, rate us, leave us a review, and share it with someone you know. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. All right, we'll see you next time.